welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, Epiphany family, uh, and those who are visiting with us online, thank you for being with us today. It's an honor and a privilege for us to connect today as we are, of course, in a new year. It's crazy to think that we're, not think, see that we're already uh, halfway through the month of January already feel like it was just the first and so uh time is moving fast and it definitely doesn't wait on anyone hello everyone in the chat uh please chat it up in there so we can know you're in there and connect with you i usually like to have the chat up a little bit uh on on mine as well so that i can uh kind of be in on on what's going on and and seeing what y'all are uh, are connecting about so again on youtube and on facebook welcome uh i know that most of you are on youtube uh but yes um good morning good morning good morning good morning good morning well we are going to um, dive right in today if you would turn with me uh to psalm 37 psalm 37 uh, we'll be in verses one through nine. Thank you as we're digging in for all of those who gave to the initiative for the fire victims over on Fairmont, not too far from here. Um, uh, we worked with a ton of churches in the city, uh, uh, several churches in the city, a, a group of churches that uh, put money in a pot together to give over to them through a, a certain entity yesterday. Uh, at the Leacourt Center was the funeral for the 12 victims. And so keep the families lifted up in prayer. There's a one five-year-old young man that's without his family. And so uh, we want to keep that family and others who are impacted uh, by that tragedy, uh, keep them lifted up in prayer. We, are, um, we, we, we want it to be a blessing to them in whatever way that we can. Um, also, we still need folks for our um, after-school program. We, we need a, a few more tutors and some other roles that we need people to play. And so we, we know that uh, the restrictions have created some challenges, but as uh, some things begin to change a bit, we will be, of course, doing our program because we had to push it back a little bit, of course, because of uh, breakouts and different things that, that are going on. But Please keep that lifted up in prayer, and I'm excited to be able to see how God uses us in this season in so many ways. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 9. Uh, here we go. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take the light in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do it. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him, do not be agitated by the one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It, only, it can only bring harm. 
for evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. In our time together, in our time together, I would like to talk about today the art of waiting on God, the art of waiting on God. Let's pray. Father, we are uh, in many different seasons and we go through different seasons in life, but if anyone lives as a believer long enough we will know, we will know and understand that waiting is a part of spiritual life. And so God, I'm praying that you would overshadow us and help us to be in a place where we function in the way that you've called us, Lord, in the season that you have us in. So Lord, bless this word. Help it to go forth, help it to give comfort, help it to give clarity and solace and help someone to deepen their trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen and amen. The art of waiting on God. What, how, when, with the way God moves in your life is really how our seasons work. What is he working on? How is he going to work on it or how is he going to do it? And when is he going to do it? That's really the big kind of picture for us in our life. Uh, um, uh, because God many times gives you visions. He gives you plans, but he doesn't always tell you when it's going to happen. Sometimes you get the what. That's clear. Sometimes you may even get the how. But one of the things you don't always get is the when. Uh, it's funny. Uh, you, you, you and I and many of us know the reality of having to deal with waiting on God. It's funny, um, one of the ways you, you know we all deal with weight issues. I don't know, uh, 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 waiting on God issues is, I, I don't know if you, you know, when you go to the grocery store somewhere and you know, you know, you, 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 the first thing you do when you get to the line with your basket is you go looking, you look down, you look, you, instead, we, you know, we're not going to just get in line. We're going we're gonna to walk down the whole thing. We're going to leave our basket. You know, so if you're like me, if, if a line is short enough, you'll leave the basket in a short enough line. And then you go check the other one so you can hold your place over there and look down and see if you can find somewhere else. And the reason why we are doing all of this to see what the shortest line is, is not just to get out, maybe during the pandemic. But generally, the reason why we do that is because we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait. And it was, it was funny. One time, I, you know, I, I thought I was getting, getting, getting things going on in my little line. I was like, oh, I got one person. Then they got a few things. And it was an older lady. And this line was long. And I, and, I, and I ran to the shorter line and got in line. And then all of a sudden, she pulled out a checkbook. Now, I don't know if you understand pulling out a checkbook in the grocery store is like. Like back in the day, if you pulled out a checkbook, they literally... After they filled it out, they had to call the bank to see if you had the money, run the number, and once they run the number, put the check in the cash register, press a button, it prints, I mean, I'm dying. And the, the line where I would have been, the person gone and I would have been next, but I'm still standing here waiting because I'm so impatient that, that I, I wanna get to the shortest way to get to my destination. Many of us have to be careful. That even if you take a shortcut to get to where you think you're supposed to be without waiting on God, God has a way of holding up the line because if it's not you, he loves you enough to not even sometimes let your mechanisms be the means by which you get to what he's holding back from you so that you won't get to it too early. And so he will put some stuff in the way to hold you back. <laughs> waiting is just an unavoidable part of life, family. No, waiting in the Bible means to be patient for God to do things his way and on his terms and in his time. Let me say that again. Waiting in the Bible means to be patient for God to do uh, things his way on his terms and in his time. Let me just tell you something. Waiting is a spiritual discipline. 
Now, most of us, when we think of spiritual disciplines, we think about Bible study, we think about prayer, we think about fasting. But let me just tell you something. It, waiting is a spiritual discipline. What's a spiritual discipline? A, spi a spiritual discipline is what God uses as a mechanism of devotional sanctification for us. If you don't read your Bible, you won't grow. If you won't get in prayer, you won't grow. If you don't spend some seasons and times fasting and in meditation and in theological reflection and even in community with other believers, you won't grow. Well, guess what? If we don't learn how to functionally uh, uh, wait, we will not grow spiritually. I wish somebody was hearing me this morning. Waiting, uh, listen, is the discipline, listen to this, of staying where God has you until he opens up the person, uh-oh, I'm marching down somebody's street, the person, the place, the thing, the idea or season he has for you. Let me say this again. Y'all got to stay with me today. We got some ground to cover. Uh, uh, waiting is the discipline. If you're writing this down, underline and highlight discipline is the discipline of staying. Somebody say staying. Lord, help us today. It's of staying where God has you until he opens up the person you want, uh-oh, the place you want to go, the thing that you want in your hands, the idea that you have it, want in your mind, and the season that he has for you. Now, God has three great answers for you, family. Yes, no, you know the last one is, wait. <laughs> Some of y'all would rather hear no than wait. You know, because no just means, okay, I can just, I can, I don't even need to expect this, John, no more. But when he says, wait, you have expectation that's unfulfilled. And so, and so, and so it's very important that we understand this discipline. Waiting takes more discipline when you can't move forward because of resources, influence, and power. Listen, when you can just move forward because you got the money, you got the connections, you got everything in place. Waiting takes more discipline when the spirit of God convicts you in your heart to see that's that's when it's hard to not to, to, to wait because you're like, I could just pull the trigger now. What you talking about, God? I can just do my thing. But it takes discipline when you have everything in place. And, and, you, and you can move forward and you hear and you listen. That's why some of us need to learn how to listen to God better. We got to we, listen. If you don't feel easy about something, never ignore it. That's God pricking your conscience that this may not be the right time, this may not be the right place, this may not be the right idea, and or it may not be the right season. But, but you know, most of us, this is the world we live in. We live in a world where we have to wait because we need God. You know, some people don't need God as much so they can just move forward. Some of us know we we've been told to wait because God dries up the resource stream. God doesn't bring the right person. God doesn't give the idea. And God even doesn't allow you to walk in that particular season yet. And so many of us in our lives, family, have to be, uh, uh, what, what, I, what, I would say, what I would say, many of us experience this reality of God handcuffing our opportunities. <laughs> um, and so, but as we will see in our text, that, uh, that waiting is anything but an act of laziness. Let me say that as an idea. Waiting is everything but lazy. You're going to see in the text as we go through. I like the way Spurgeon puts it. This, 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 is, this is what, this is what, this is, this is the type of stuff that kind of gets you uh, 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 um, uh, uh, sober. Spurgeon says about waiting, he said, we shall not grow weary of waiting upon God if we remember how long and how gracious he waited on us. <laughs> God waited on us, so why we can't wait on him? And so the context of this psalm, if you will, is interesting. Uh, is interesting because the context of this psalm is the reality of us as believers who have to wait on God for something that he hasn't done, and we're watching some stuff happen around us. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And so the psalmist is talking, and actually, you know, you know, one preacher said, uh, the, the Bible speaks to us, most of it, but the psalms speak for us. 
You know, the Psalms many times will say stuff that you want to say, but you couldn't say it or didn't think you can say it. And so the psalmist said, I'll do it for you. And then you're like, that's why I feel that way. That's why, like Amber said, I'm in a somni mood. When you're in a somni mood, sometimes you can't say it for yourself. You need somebody else to put the words in your mouth. You know, and so, and so, and so I got three points today. I'll give them to you this time up front. Number one, waiting takes restraint. Number two, waiting takes resilience. And waiting takes rest. <laughs> let, let, me, let me say that again. <laughs> waiting, waiting. I'm going to just give them to you already if you're taking notes. Waiting takes restraint. Waiting takes, waiting takes resilience. And waiting takes rest. Let's look at waiting takes restraint. The text says in verse 1, do not be agitated by evildoers. <laughs> Um, this word, this idea of agitated comes up three times. It shows up in verse one, it comes up in verse seven, and it comes up in verse eight. Do not be agitated. Why, uh, old translations say, do not fret. You know, that's that old translation. Uh, in other words, it, it means uh, fretting or agitation means to be in a state of worry and concern as an extension of being internally angry. You, you, you ever watch somebody, listen, you, you ever seen somebody that, that ain't living no kind of life. They ain't got no holiness, don't love Jesus at all. They off the bit. And, and you've been wanting something for a while. And, and they getting all of it. I, I remember, you know, I remember when my wife and I, uh, we, 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 we think about it now how self-righteous we were when we lost our first child. And, I, you know, I'm in seminary. I'm serving the church. I'm submitting to authority. I'm in community. I'm in my Bible. I'm in prayer. I'm trying to walk with Jesus, trying to live with my wife in an understanding way. You know, all of the stuff. I think because of that, God, you owe me to give me what I want. Ain't nobody going to hear me or ever felt like that in their life. And I'm looking around me at hellions going nine months in pregnancy. They living like they want to live and they acting like they want to walk. And I'm like, God, you're going to let us lose our baby at six months into the pregnancy stillborn. And they living like that. But we got to deal with this. Listen, I don't know if anybody ever been in that situation where you feel like everybody around you, you've done all the right things. But listen, God's blessing is never on merely what you do. You have to be careful of thinking God owes you your timing because of your life. Ain't nobody going to talk back to me today. God doesn't owe me anything. That sounds, listen, God doesn't owe me anything. But what's interesting, though, is it's easy. You know, you know many times it's not even that, many times it's not even that, we're in a situation where it's bad people. Sometimes it's just people just getting blessed with things that we wanted and God refuses to give it to us. Now, you got to understand, it's nothing wrong with being angry, but you just can't sin. You can be agitated. You, 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 can, you can be agitated because this is how you know <coughs> which type of anger you're, you're walking in. Because maybe the thing you're waiting on God for is for his glory. So it's nothing wrong with being agitated when you're not able to glorify him or God isn't providing an opportunity in that season for you to glorify him like you want to. So godly or divine anger is passion about God's interests. That has to do with passion about God's interests. Human anger, listen, is passion about human interests or self-interest. So if your anger really is about you personally, what you didn't get, um, and it's about you and your season and what you're not feeling, and that doesn't mean that our feelings aren't justifiable. But it has to be glorifiable. Now, what's some signs that you agitated? Because you know we get in our feelings when God be making us wait. Y'all know we get in our feelings. <laughs> These are some signs of agitation. You constantly complaining constantly complaining. Now, some of us are holy enough to mentally complain, but not verbally complain. Oh, see, you ain't been Christian long enough to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> see, mentally complaining is when you, this is how I mentally complain to God, is I, I look at social media, at people, 
and see what God is doing with them. And then I get I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm just looking and I'm acting like I'm happy for them. But really on the inside, I'm, 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 I'm a little I'm a little heated. You know, another way, you know, a sign of um, agitation or anger is outburst of anger. You just get angry for nothing. Something small just blow because you're tired of waiting on God. I, I'm talking to myself. Entitlement. You think God owes you something. Constant thinking of how to get around God's timing. But another way that you know you're angry is when you make prayerless movements. Prayerless movements. Listen to, listen, listen to. Making bad decisions that keep finding its way into God's resistance. <laughs> you, ever, you ever kept trying to make it happen? And you see, sometimes, this is what we do. This is how we know that we 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 acting funny about waiting on God. Let me let me tell you how you know. Because you try to act like it's the devil resisting you. So you justify your your illegitimate movement by trying to say it's the devil. But li uh, li listen to me. What what can a person run into if not the devil is your problem, but God is your problem? Listen, God is a worse problem than the devil because God can deal with the devil, but nobody can deal with God. <laughs> Nobody can deal with God. And so it's, but, but we like my kids, like me and my wife know that if we go into Disney World next month, you don't tell kids we're going to Disney World next month. Why? Because until we go to Disney World, mom, when we going? Daddy, when we going? We going to Disney World? I don't know when we going to Disney World. Eh, when we going to Disney You know what you got to do with a kid? You got you to pack the bags. Get on the plane, go, go to the hotel, check in, put your stuff in, go, and then close your eyes. Disney World. Ah, <laughs> oh, we at Disney World. We got to be happy. Because you can't tell a child too early. But we like children. God tell us he's going to do something for us. And we know, when you going to do it, God? When you going to do it? Are we there yet? Are we there yet, Papa Smurf? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But God wants us to have a lack of fretting in our life. Look at what it says, though. He gives divine perspective. Look at verse two. It says, for they, <coughs> talking about evil people, wither like the grass and wilt like tender green plants. <clears throat> know what's dope about this? Is the point of this verse is to help us to see the bigger picture. Like, like, like God's like, what you're waiting on, <clears throat> you don't realize, is among the things that I'm going to do in the universe. Yeah. Oh, my God. In other words, there's going to be an end to everything. Everybody has their, their season, has their end. Even the evil has their day. <laughs> he said, but you're frustrated about what I'm doing for somebody else, but you don't know that I'm trying to prepare you to have a long-term eternal season, not just a micro season of having something that's withered away and it's gone. So you 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 gotta so that, that's why you gotta be around people who've seen some bigger seasons. You need some season saints and some old older people. Listen, you can't learn everything on Google. You need some people in your life that's lived some transseasonal successes and failures with God. To be able to speak systemically into your situation with, with sensitivity and spirit ledness. You, 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 you need that. You need to say, oh, baby, you know how old people, you be, uh, you be having a hard time and the older person be like, they tell you, oh, baby, just keep on living. You're like, that ain't no answer. <laughs> but then you get older and guess what you're going to tell the young people? Keep on living. Because you can have faith and trust that seasons are going to be like this. <laughs> seasons are going to come and seasons are going to go. <clears throat> but you have to learn how to work on your agitation, how you work on your agitation. It, 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 it's, it's interesting because many of us haven't lived long enough to be as angry as we are waiting on the Lord. You ain't lived long enough. Some of y'all are angry about what you haven't even gotten yet. And older people regret about how much they've mismanaged what the Lord gave them. But listen, <clears throat> my daughter <clears throat> hurt her arm and it was burning and agitated. <clears throat> I got some cleaning ointment and sprayed it on. She got the screaming. Momentarily, it burned. And, and, and it hurt a lot. 
And then one of the things I told her in dealing with the hurt first, I told her, I said, but I'm going to follow up with some gel, some ointment. It's going to itch at first, but for the most part, but then it's going to be healed. You'll feel something, but it won't be as bad as it was. When we get agitated and our agitation increases, guess what we got to do? We got to constantly look at the larger truths of life in order to see that the thing that I'm waiting for on God is but a pale in comparison to all of the massive things that God has going on and is going to do. Point two, waiting takes resilience. Waiting takes resilience. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. This is a dope verse because now you've gone from waiting being what it was in, in, in that verse. In other words, you, can, you, can't, you can't get agitated. You can't get agitated. You have to have some restraint on how angry and crazy you get. But now you got to now that you settled into waiting, because hopefully by now you're like, OK, I'm, I'm going to wait on you, God. You have to trust in the Lord and trust in the Lord, trust in God. We believe that he knows what's best and has our best interest at heart. I mean, I, I, I know that sounds simple, but it's a practical reality that so many of us forget because our angst and impatience make us think that God that God doesn't care because he hasn't given us what we want in our time. But the text says, trust in the Lord. In other words, believe that God has his breath. And many times, God, listen, listen, I'm telling you, God, usually when you trust him and wait on him, is cooking it up better than what you would have done if you would have put your purpose in a microwave. See, God does crock pot cooking with purpose. Ain't nobody going to talk back. See, imagine going to somebody's house on Thanksgiving who cooked their turkey in a microwave. What kind of, that thing is going to be tougher than some, that, Lord, help us. It's going to be tough. But, but, but anybody that's, that's put that mug on, you know, put it on 350 in the oven and was basting it and and letting it marinate in its juices, put carrots and celery around it. Matter of fact, before they even put it in, they injected it with an injecto needle to inject it so it could be juicy. Put butter under the skin. See, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Putting that butter under the skin and you put it under there with the glove on and, and it gets all crispy on the outside because you, you cover it with the Reynolds wrap at first and let it cook and let it, let it, let it, mm, from the inside. Then you take it off because it's sweating. Then you take it off and then you let it get brownie and crispy on the outside and then it's ready. Most of the time, God puts your purpose in an oven and he turns the heat down so that he can slow cook life into you so that you're tender when you get to your purpose. So what does it mean? He says live securely. This is interesting <coughs> terminology. Um, one translation said cultivate faithfulness. Um, the whole idea of this, uh, the idea of this word for live securely means to pastor or shepherd something. Uh, uh, to nurture something. Uh, 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 I, I like this. I like this. In, in other words, when he says dwell and then he says live, dwell means be faithful. Live means to feed yourself truth. <laughs> so what you have to do when you dwell in the land to be faithful, you have to feed faithfulness. Faithfulness doesn't come naturally. You got to constantly feed it because in order to be patient, you got to feed remaining faithful to God when he hasn't when, when, the, when, when the bell hasn't ring for your waiting room to be over. So that means you, you have to you have to invest in being faithful. You, you, you have to you have to get in scriptures about being faithful. You got to be around people about being faithful. You got to be you and you got to see that. Listen, this is this is the mistake people make. Many times we think what we're waiting on is our purpose. But our purpose is not just what we're waiting on God to give us. It's the process of getting to what we're waiting him for. And so God doesn't start working 
on you when you get to where you're at. Listen, you ha- if you don't see all of your life as a part of your purpose, you, will, you won't nurture faithfulness. And so that's, that's why you got to learn if, 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 if he can't trust you with that little bit of stuff you got, how in the world he going to trust you with much? So God is watching the thermometer of your spiritual life while you're in the waiting room, while you're in the season that you haven't gotten what you want. But I wish I had somebody in here that would, that would hear the preacher as I say, where you are is your purpose, not just where you're going. You have to learn that. It, and listen, waiting is a gift. Listen, us giving up the building and not moving forward with it. I felt so much peace about that thing, y'all. I felt so much peace. And while we were waiting on the building, listen, we, we didn't stop ministry till we got the building. We were still doing what we were supposed to do. But now that we're not getting it, we're just able to move forward. We're not moving forward at this point in time. But listen, we got to feed and tend to faithfulness. But this is what happens, though, <clears throat> that works against us tending faithfulness. These are some things that the enemy tries to do and you do in, in self-sabotaging. Because many of us <clears throat> have to fight our self-sabotage. Are y'all hearing me? Lie number one. Lies. Lies we're told. We, we, he doesn't care about what you are dealing with. That's, that's, that's the first one. God doesn't care what you're dealing with. He doesn't care at all. Another lie is you should just do blank. (laughs) Another one is you don't matter to him. Another one is why is he putting you through all of this? See, devil always like to take shortcuts. Jesus, Jesus knows about this. That's why the devil says, listen, if you fall down and worship me, I give you all of this, even though he was going to have all that in the first place. And one of the, one of, now this is another one that's subtle about a lot of the enemy tells us. You're ready. Now, you, you're not going to hear me on that one. But many times the enemy will make or you will make you think that you're ready when you're not. And God knows you're not ready. That's why you're not there yet. But truths we need to sow into our heart. And so what do we need to sow into our heart? So that God rewards those who seek him. Yeah. Hebrews 11:3. God renews the strength of those who wait on him. Isaiah 40, verse 30. God's perfect love casts out all fear. 1 John 4, 18. God refines me while I wait on him. 1 Peter 4. Oh, y'all ain't going to hear me today. I'm not where I think I am. Oh. <laughs> it's a, do you know how, uh, Romans 12, 3. I'm not where I think I am says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Oh, help me today. It's, let, me just, let me stay here just for one second. It takes humility to say I'm not ready. But listen, that's a lot of maturity. Because when you can recognize, I'm really not ready for that right now. Then you know that you need God in order for that particular thing to happen. And so we have to have contentment. We have to have contentment. What is contentment? I always say this. Contentment, that's, that's how you nurture faithfulness. You got to be content. How do you be content? Content is transseasonal satisfaction with God and where he has you and what you have no matter what. Let me say that again. Contentment is transseasonal satisfaction with God and where he has you and what you have not, no matter what. What you have, no matter what. So important. So it says, take the light in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I know a lot of people say, God know my heart. Yes, he do. It's deceitful and wicked. And so people say, God know my heart. God know how I feel about him. You know, God know how I feel about him. You know what I'm saying? No. I'll tell you something. This verse is more about being with God and cultivating the faithfulness in the land and in the season you're in. And what happens usually when you wait, when you slow down and you let God work on you, that you'll begin because sometimes you're trying to run at something and God is like, I'm telling you, this is not it. This is not the time. What God will begin to do, he may pivot you, detour you or deepen you. Oh, God, help me. And what will happen in that time is that you spend time with God as you get some godly counsel, maybe you need to do some more research for that business. Maybe you need to know that you need to get a, 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 an accountant 
I don't, I don't know what it is that God will do in that particular season. And what God will begin to do is he will work on you and nurture you. <laughs> and then what you'll begin to do is as he works on you, your prayer life is more Godward glorifying. And as that begins to happen, God readies you while you're delighting in him. <laughs> Listen, God readies you when you delight in him. And then he can trust you with the thing you desire. Why? Because you've, you've Siamese twinned your heart to his. And what happens is as you marinate in his presence, his heart becomes your heart. And when his heart becomes your heart, his values become your values. When his will becomes your will, when his affections become your affections, then you pray to him based on what you were experiencing and what you've been transformed in. And you pray it and guess what? His will will be done in your life. That is so important, family. So important. He'll give you your heart's desires. He said, commit your way. <coughs> I love this. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. Ah, and he will act. That's beautiful verses. Commit means to roll. It means to roll something to somebody. That means it's too heavy for you. You got to get it over to him. Roll it to him. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn. Now, guess what? You know, sometimes when you're waiting on something, and people told you something, nothing was going to happen. You understand what I'm saying? Some of us, you know, if you're anything like me, you like to show your haters that they should have believed in you. You know, be honest now. Many of us have the spirit of petty. I mean, be honest. I have a little petty negroity in myself, if you will. And sometimes... I'm like, man, as soon as I get with God, I'm going to go, I'm gonna post that thing. I'm going like, to be like, God's glory. But really, I'm looking at my enemies like, ha! And so this is how you know you're there. You're saying stuff in your heart. I'll show them. They're going to learn today. I'll make them jealous. They'll wish they never treated me that way. They'll come back. See? And see, all of that ain't, and that, that's why you need God to, that's why God's got you waiting right there because you're not we, we have to be motivated by God not man and see when we look at this we have to know that there are two types of time in the Bible there's chronos time and there's kairos time chronos time is just the daily calendar the you know the, the, the way the calendar work you know a general days and weekday plans and making plans but kairos is about the season or occasion where God breaks through from eternity to time to do something unique based on his providential work in a season of sovereignty in your life. And one of the things, and listen, it's nothing. Listen, that's why the Bible says, in the fullness of Kairos, he sent forth his son. In other words, it was a, full, it was a, it was a determined time. And even though there are, there are macro, huge uh, determined times, there are micro times. And listen, it's nothing like God having worked on you after you've waited on him, giving him time to work and built patient and waited on it. It is, listen to me, it's nothing like when the season is right, where the air is right, the wind is blowing right, the sun is shining right and then God brings it to pass and then you look back and guess what most of us say now I know why God called me to wait usually, usually a lot of times it's, it's hindsight saying God I'm glad you such a better steward I mean owner than me because I man if you would have gave me that at that point in my life I would have not had the maturity to manage and steward it well. I would have squandered that person. I would have squandered that idea. I would have squandered that season. But thanks be to God that he loves me enough to get me ready for where he wants me. That he won't let me get out there too early. God loves me enough to stop me. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad for his, not just his staying power, not just his giving power, but his stopping power. I, 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 I need, listen, we need, I need protection from me. Waiting is God protecting you from you. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, God is such a great God with giving you, and your time is going to come, listen to me. 
Your season is going to come, family. Your opportunity is going to come. I'm talking about the thing that's in the will of God that you're waiting on. It's going to happen. It may not have happened yet, but stay where you are. Don't give up. Don't pivot. Do what God is calling you to do in this season. Cultivate that faithfulness. Which brings me to my last point. Waiting takes rest. Ugh. <laughs> After this, I'm superlatively done. Um, be silent. <laughs> Before the Lord. What does be silent mean? It means to rest in God. It can be translated literally that. Be silent doesn't mean close your mouth. It's talking about the disposition of the soul. See, it's one thing to be faithful and have resilience um, uh, uh, while you're waiting, but it's also, we got to get to a point where we're not jittery. Um, Waiting, waiting means you're working, you're doing what you're supposed to do and remain faithful, but you also can rest in God. Why do I rest in God? Because God can handle it and he'll take care of the whole thing if I would just have the discipline of resting in him. And don't know what I like about the verse? It says rest in God or be silent, right? But listen to what it says before the Lord and wait expectantly. Waiting isn't aimless or hopeless. God isn't having you wait to stop believing that he can do it. He's having you wait and he wants you to cultivate faithfulness and be faithful where you are. He wants you to shepherd faithfulness, the things of faithfulness. And he also wants you to rest in him, but he doesn't want you to forget that he's going to do it. Oh, that's so good for somebody. He, he doesn't want you to wait. He, he wants you to wait that he's going to do it. He wants you to know and hope in that. And hope should be enjoyment. Let me just say some people in the Bible that had to wait on God. Most waited without an example, too. Let me, let me explain something to you. There are people that waited on God for stuff in the Bible that they didn't have an example for waiting on that ever. Now, that's a different type of waiting. You know, see, many of us got examples and we can read this person and this. Listen, listen. When God told Noah it was going to rain, he ain't never even heard of rain. He said, what's that? Water is going to mysteriously come out. He never seen a miracle, nothing. But he starts building, and the Bible, and, and, and extra biblical material says he preached 150 years that it was going to rain, never having seen it before. And every day he had to get up in the mundane of the Stone Age, <laughs> I'm just saying the Stone Age, and get up and pull all this stuff up and get trees down and archaea wood and, and, and get pitch and work and do all of this stuff, only knowing that God gave him a word. Not only Noah, but Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were older than a mug. Older than a mug. Told them that they were going to have a child. Of course, they tried to go another way. God said, I'm not going to do it that way. They're a great example of not going and do your own thing when God promised you something. And God, but, but, they, but, but, but what ended up happening is Hebrews said that Abraham got to the point where he believed that God was going to raise his dead body. In other words, he had to take Sarah backwards through menopause to perimenopause to premenopause into a regular body. Are you hearing me? And then had to had to do things with Moses. I mean, you know, Abraham, too. We ain't going to say what he did pre our day in order to make things happen. And they had to wait for God to do that. And believing that her body would be strong enough in her 90s to carry a baby. Waiting on God to do it and gave they had no C-sections back then. Natural childbirth. Woo. Jacob waited for his wife 21 years. That's that's some waiting. Joseph getting visions God gave him, but had to go through prison and frustration before it would come to pass. Listen, he was 17 years old when he got the vision. He was he was in his late 30s before God brought it to pass. 20 years. Y'all not hearing me today. Listen, uh, Samson had to wait for God to give him strength. On his last day, Esther had to wait for, the, wait for the right time to intercede for Israel. Hannah waited on God for her son. And Jesus waited for the fullness of time to die. 
Listen, each of them have several things in common based on Psalm 105, verses 16 to 19. You don't have to turn there. Number one, God was up to something bigger in their life than them. Let me tell you something. What you're waiting on God for should be bigger than your personal life. Always. It should always be for God's glory and for others. It's not just for you. Many of times we personalize our waiting. But in the mind of God, now waiting is always bigger than us, family. Are y'all hearing me? But not only that, he sent them through some type of stress and hardship. Whenever God has you to wait, he doesn't just allow, he sends. So I know we like to use the, the political, he allow, no, he sends some stuff your way. And lastly, it says in the last verse, he tested him. Talking about Joseph. So six requirements in waiting on God, and I'm done. Trust, trust or faith, number one. Two, patience, courage, determination, strength, and endurance. Jesus had all of them. Faith, patience, courage, determination, strength, and endurance. And that's what Jesus, that's what it took. Jesus waited 30 years for his ministry to start, another three to die, and was able to say it's finished. And on the third day, he got up from the grave with all power in his hand. He ascended to heaven, seats at the right hand of the Father, and has been sitting next to him for 2,000 years. And Jesus is waiting to return. So he's telling us to do what he's doing, waiting. And so we can draw strength on the one that's our empowerment in waiting. So I don't know what kind of season you're in and what kind of frustration you're going through, family. But I have good feelings about your life. I have good vibes, like you say, about your life. Good godly ones. That, man, stay where you are. Don't settle for somebody because they're cute. Uh-oh. Don't settle for somebody because they look good. Don't settle because your biological clock is running. Don't settle because you're burning. Wait. Don't take the first financial opportunity to come your way. Don't sign the contract too quick. Don't be a fool and moving ahead of God. God loves you enough to warn you. Whenever he wants you to wait, he always warns you. And when you wait, he gives you the peace to remain where you are until your season comes. My prayer for you today, my prayer for you today is that, listen, that you and I, talking to both of us, would learn the art of waiting. That we would just put these principles into play. <laughs> we Just put them into play. And we're going to get antsy. You are. It's human. But you also are a spiritual person that has nourishment to help you to kind of detoxify your waiting quotient. Maybe you're here today and you've never experienced God at all. You've been waiting for life to change. You know something's weird that hasn't happened in your life. And you know something weird that's missing. That thing that's missing is Jesus, the person Jesus, your creator, your maker, and hopefully your soon-to-be Lord. He came to restore the entirety of your life, both positionally and practically, in everyday life and in eternal reality. And he just wants you to admit that you've been separated from, you're a sinner, you like all of us, have sinned, fallen short of his glory, his values, his system, his way of thinking, his way of doing things. And put your faith in the fact that his son was a sacrifice for us to be able to have order restored in our life. If you want all order restored in your life, God put all of his power and everything, his anger, everything on Jesus, and he died, got up from the grave, we have a trust in Jesus Christ as Savior has restoration of life. Well, if you're here today, our search team, I want you to say something in there and our search team, let us know. Uh, and our search team will put an email in there where you can email them and say, hey, I trusted Jesus today, if that's you. If that's you and you place your confidence in Jesus, just pray with me. Father, forgive me of my sin. 
all my evil desires and thoughts, everything in my nature. Will you take me from spiritual death to spiritual life in Jesus? I believe that he is Lord. I believe that he is King. I believe that he got up from the grave. I believe he died. He got up from the grave for me in Jesus name. Amen. I prayed for you, but reach out to our search team so they can talk to you more about what it means to go from spiritual disconnection to spiritual connection. Let's prepare our hearts and minds for communion. You know what it is. I give y'all time to run in the kitchen, the dining room, or some of y'all I see um, when we're on social media are strong that you all post how you, what you're using um, for communion when you're home. I miss us all together doing it, but there's a but technology God has provided for us to be able to be on one accord in some way. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal, he took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my blood, blood of the new covenant, which was shed for you and for many. Let us drink together. Why don't we receive the Lord's benediction? Lord, help your people know that they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not get weary. Help us to know, help them to know what you do to give strength to the weary waiter. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory, be majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. God bless you. Love you. Lord, say the same. For our Epiphany members, listen. Leaders, see you Tuesday on Zoom. Hey, everybody else, see you on Wednesday through Zoom. It is going to be amazing. It was an amazing time. Thank everybody for getting on. It was amazing last week. Listen, want more of y'all on? Uh, we, we're stacked in there and having a time of prayer during this 21 days, uh, the 21-day experience. Uh, and and we're, we, we, got, we got two more weeks to go. Uh, let, let's keep one another encouraged. Love you. Take care. God bless. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We